0: Hi, this is Pastor Eddie. And um, uh, welcome to this experiment. The idea behind this is that sometimes when I'm preaching, um, I have to leave some things out. And I would like them to be communicated, but they just don't fit into the sermon. And so this is a way for me to do that. Um, But it's also an opportunity for me to, you know, clarify something or this is this doesn't always happen, but um, in the first sermon of our series on the Apostles' Creed, I actually skipped over two paragraphs that I thought were pretty important. And, and this is an opportunity for me to revisit that. Um, so I kind of like the idea of doing this for those reasons, but I want it to be helpful. And um, I won't know unless you let me know. So feel free to give me any feedback at all. Um, and that may be you... You know, would like me to do this with somebody else, or um, you know, sound effects? I've heard sound effects are really popular. Um, maybe a band, whatever. Just let me know if there's um, a way to do this, and and if it if it's clicking, I think the more I do it, um, the more natural it'll get. One other thing is I'm doing this from the study at the, my study at the church, and so there's noise from Mulberry. And who knows what else uh, that the microphone's probably going to pick up. So just want to let you know about that. Okay, so I'll get right to it. Um, I preached a sermon a few weeks ago on uh, the first two words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe. And um, I won't rehash the sermon. Um, but the point I missed was, was pretty crucial because it had to do with this idea uh, that something we all experience, whereas on the one hand, we don't want to be divided as a people. Um, we we want to be together with people, even though we have differences. But on the other hand, our differences matter. Uh, we have certain convictions, certain things that we believe that are really important. And um, we don't want to just tuck those away. Uh, and so I mentioned a dictum from John Wesley that has is, is very popular. Uh people have used it for a long time. It goes like this In the essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things charity or love. And I like it. I think it's helpful, but it, it also isn't perfect. Um The reason it's not perfect is because Um, I'm just turning the page here. Um, the reason it's not perfect is because it's very hard to tell what's essential and what's non-essential. Who gets to decide what's essential and what's non-essential? You could say, well, it's what's in the Bible. Um, but in, in practice, in real life, that's, that's not the way we operate. Um, because people disagree on Bible interpretation all the time, and I am probably going to do another um, recording podcast, whatever this is, I'm probably going to do another one on our relationship to the Scripture and the Apostles' Creed. Um, so I'm not going to get into that too much this time. Um, <clears throat> the The bottom line is this: um, if we're if we're in community together, and we all agree on everything. Uh, then that's a problem because we're missing our blind spots. Um, And in reality, what's going on is people are not mentioning what they disagree with. And so it's, it's a community where you can't tell the truth. On the other hand, if you're always telling the truth, it's hard to continue to be a community because you're having some pretty heavy duty disagreements. Um, If you've, If you've had um, friendships fall apart, if you've had difficulty in a marriage, um, you know that it's, you know, this tension between telling the truth and staying together. Um, So, how do we do that? Um, This was actually a major problem in the early church. Uh, The first few hundred years were spent trying to work out uh, what do we believe, what is essential uh, how do we set that down and the conclusion that they came to is and the model that they used is I think still helpful for us now and it really boils down to this, when they thought about what was essential um, they didn't randomly pick set of things um, that they thought were essential. They didn't, you know, they didn't have a Pope way in or something like that. Um, What they did is they focused on the event, the event of what has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And that's where it all starts. That's where it all begins right there in that event. And then the implications of that event Were something that they understood would unfold for all time. So what we, what we believe, you know, what we call the, what is essential is, is more like a history than anything else. Um, something happened and the early church put a lot of energy into just being clear about what happened. Um, What happened in Jesus? What happened when he was conceived? What happened when he was born? What happened in his life, his teaching, his miracles, his fellowship, his relationship with the disciples? This is why we have four Gospels, because it was so important to be clear about what happened. Um. And then it was the question of after they were clear about what happened and that's mainly what we get in the creeds is, is the what happened. Um, after that then it's a question of what are the implications of this? Because we're talking about God here. And if we're talking about God then the implications of of what God has done in Christ are literally infinite. They They go on forever. And And so then the question is, well, if it's going to go on forever, we can't possibly capture it all. So it becomes more about not what are all the implications, but how do we go about exploring those implications? Okay. So that's what Wesley would call the non-essentials. And I really, I don't like the word non-essentials because the implications of the gospel are are not non-essential, but they are different than what actually happened. Um, so there's what happened and what it means. I guess is the, the distinction I'm trying to make. What happened in Christ, and then what does it all mean? And and here's the crucial link that I think is helpful for us. The church father said, when we start talking about what it means, uh, what what the event of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection mean. Um, what matters is 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 godliness. What matters is humility. What matters is is that we explore the implications of what happened based on the event itself. Okay, so let me say that another way. The event itself, it reveals God as as love. It reveals God as humble. It reveals God as as someone who's so in love with the world with us, who chooses to do so freely out of love, not out of necessity or obligation, um, that God becomes fully man, fully human in Jesus for our sake, to be able to bring us into eternal life. If we're going to talk about the implications of what that means, maybe we can't figure out all the implications, but we at least need to approach it all With that same kind of humility, that same kind of love, and that same kind of um, surrender. Okay, so practically, I think what that means for us, and especially our unique community, Peak Community Church, I think it is unique in some ways. Um, We're going to have disagreements about the implications. I mean, this this is mystery we're talking about. Um, We don't need to disagree on what happened. It's important for us to agree on the event of Jesus becoming human. So God becoming human while being both fully God and fully human for our sakes, to rescue us, to save us, to free us from the bondage of sin and death and bring us fully into his life out of love. Um, uh, T.F. Torrance says that that's something to be apprehended, not comprehended. And I really like that distinction. So it's something to be apprehended. We are confronted with the event of Jesus, but it's not to be fully comprehended ever because it's, a vast mystery. Um, then when we get into the implications of it, we're we're gonna it's gonna have implications in everything. Um because it is such an amazing event. And the implications are gonna extend to sexuality. They're gonna extend in how we spend our money um, they're gonna extend into violence and war in our relationship to other nations. Um, the conflict between God's kingdom and earthly kingdoms. Um, It's going to go into bioethics and our relationship to the creation and world hunger, um, poverty, on and on and on. And we're still working out what that looks like. Again, I wouldn't call those non-essentials. But what I would say is that it is okay to disagree on those things as long as we are approaching it with the humility that was revealed when God became man in Jesus Christ. And the humility that's revealed should allow us to do a couple things. One is to be able to state clearly uh, what our convictions are. What we are certain about, um, without any coercion, without any manipulation, just to be able to say clearly, this is how I think this works out in relationship to, again, bioethics, sexuality, poverty, whatever. But it should also, if we're approaching this with humility, it should also always leave us open to the idea that we might be wrong we might be wrong about the implications and that someone else might be able to instruct us in this. And and also, if, if somebody else comes to us and admits that they're wrong, we can have humility towards them and not um, gloat or be prideful or anything like that. So that that's what I think the... Um, That's one way, I think, that we can approach agreement and disagreement uh, in relationship to faith. That's where the Apostles' Creed is helpful. Apostles' Creed gives us what is clear in terms of the event, what God has done. Um, Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, buried, and on the third day rose again and ascended into heaven. And so forth. Um, and then it also gives us a way of disagreeing with each other, moving forward on these really important ideas. And then last, I guess I'll just say, um, I don't think that this means we disagree forever. Uh, it is, it, it, you know, uh, slavery, for instance, is not mentioned in the creed. Um, but we, our culture, our, our people, we're settled um, that this is deeply, deeply wrong and antithetical to the gospel. But that wasn't always the case. And so this is why I think, um, again, non-essentials are unhelpful. We need to have those conversations. We need to um, debate what this means and and to disagree, but we can maintain our love for one another and our community um, and we can tell the truth in love because of the event because of the gospel fundamentally because of the gospel and so we must share that in common in order to be able to disagree in the first place and so that was the point I wanted to make in the sermon the two paragraphs I've said way more than two paragraphs but those are the two paragraphs that I wanted to say in the sermon is that um, the ability to disagree is, is provided for us by the creed um, because it gives us something to agree on and it gives us a way to disagree with one another and to be able to debate and to be able to talk about these really important ideas that are not well captured when we call it non-essential Okay. Well, I, uh, um, I think that's I think that's it. And so, again, like if you have any comments on this, if you're like, well, I would love it if it's shorter or whatever, um, you're welcome to do that. If you have your own questions and things you'd like me to discuss, uh, I'd love to hear it. And I can what I can do is I can bring it up in a later recording. You know, or maybe maybe we get together and uh, you and I can have a conversation and we record that. Um, I think that would be interesting too, probably to people. Um, in any case, I hope this is helpful, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening.